morning we're going to be, I know I haven't preached in two weeks, and so we're going to take a break in Exodus, and uh, we'll, we'll go back to because there's some nice meaty things that we're going to get into um, in a few weeks, but uh, we're going to talk about faith. We're going to talk about faith, amen? And uh, my, my sermon is titled The Faith Marathon. Someone say The Faith Marathon. The Faith Marathon, and as we all know, today is our first Sunday in this beautiful building, you know, amen, right? I say beautiful because I'll show you pictures. I was meaning to put something together, and I, and I didn't get to it this week to show you the transformation if you didn't get a chance. Some of you got the chance uh, to see what, what a mess this building was and to where it is today, and so we'll, we'll get to that, but this is, this is, this is great. And this is a building that we've been praying for. This is a building that we've been seeking God for. This is a building we've been fasting for. This is a building that we've been preparing for for a long time. It seems like forever. Some of us, it seems like maybe three or four months because we really got after it the last three or four months. But it's a building that was in its works, let's be honest, eight years ago. Amen? Eight years ago. And this morning, we're going to look at the faith marathon. The faith marathon. Faith, let me tell you this, faith can be a sprint, it can be a sprint, let's be honest, faith is more of what? It's a marathon, it's a long distance race, it's not a sprint that goes from point A to point B, sometimes it's point A to point Z, right? And it's a marathon, it's a marathon, and uh, how long is a marathon? Well, we know what, how long marathons are, but how long are our, is our marathon in faith? I can't answer that question for you. I can't tell you yet that your faith marathon is going to be a day or two days or a year or 10 years or eight years or 50 years. I can't tell you that. Just like there are different kinds of marathons, there's a 5K, there's a half marathon, there's a full 26 marathon, there's the mud run marathon, there's the color marathon, there's all these other marathons, right? Just like those are multi-marathons, same thing with our faith. There's many types of of uh, faith marathons and it, and it can take many years who knows five years ten years a month i know we want it now we want it yesterday amen but it takes a while sometimes the key to the marathon is this to not give up don't give up that's the key to the marathon is you cannot give up you keep going you keep pushing you keep believing you never lose hope you never lose faith you never lose doubt you never give up that's the key to the marathon is once you start you keep going you keep going amen you know what's interesting fact is is there is 570 marathons a year in the united states 570 marathons a year the statistics are half a percent of people will run a marathon. Half a percent. Okay? Now, that's not for that year. That's half a, half a percent in America has, won a mar has, has ran a marathon. Half a percent. Think about that. Not many people. Have you ever run a marathon? I had never run a marathon, but I'll tell you what. Proclaiming in 2020, I already told her I'm running my marathon, right? I'll start with a 5K, but I'm running a marathon in 2020, amen? But think about that. There's 329 million people in the United States, and only 1.6 million has ever won, well, run a marathon, has ever run a marathon. Not, not this year, just ever. 
You know, the fact in our Christian life is 100% of us have ran a marathon or have started a marathon of faith. I'm not going to say finish, but 100% of us have started some type of marathon of faith. 100% of us. But you know, not all of us have finished. Not all, all of us have reached the finish line. Some of us are still in our race. And some of us failed at the start of it. Some of us have failed in the middle of it. Some of us have failed right before the finish of it. But 100% of us have started a faith marathon. You know what happens when we fall off a race? You fall in the gutter. You think about that? You ever running on the sidewalk? You fall on the sidewalk? Where do you land at? The gutter. You land in the gutter. I remember as a kid, I've landed in some gutters. I have, and I can even recall the spot where it was, right, on the side between my house and Mike and Maggie's house. We lived on the same block, and there was a nice little slick patch that we would ride our bikes on, and I, I, I put that bike down and fell into that nasty, smelly, grummy gutter, and it's not a good place. And as an adult, I fell into some sidewalks, and that's not nice either. <laughs> Get you some cuts and bruises there. It's not a nice place. It's a place where our, our waste goes. It's a place where our storm runoff goes. It's a place where uh, 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 nasty uh, water goes. It's a place that we place our, the, the, the pets that get hit, they place them in the gutter until someone comes and gets them, right? Trash goes there. It's not a great place to, go, uh, to be at whatsoever, uh, ever. You know, we've all heard of the saying of get your mind out of the gutter. Let's take it a little further. Get your faith out of the gutter. Get your faith out of the low places of life. When we say the saying, get your faith out of the gutter, I'm going to get your mind out of the gutter, what does that mean? It means to elevate your mind. It means to get it out of the trash of life. It means to move forward and, and elevate your life. And, 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 and so what I'm telling you today is get your faith out of the gutter, which means get your faith out of the low places of life and elevate it. Get back on the sidewalk and keep running your marathon. Amen? you got to run your marathon. Elevate it. There's not one of us in here today who says, Pastor, I don't want to have faith. I don't need faith. I don't want faith. In fact, if I interviewed every one of us, I think your heart would be my heart. I want an elevated faith. I want a deeper faith. I want a renewed faith. I want a stronger faith. Amen? We all want that in our life. We all want that. We want more than just enough faith. And I believe we all can grow in our faith. And sometimes what it comes down to is just a little bit of encouragement. To keep running your faith marathon. To keep moving. To keep progressing. That's all it comes down to. Sometimes we need a little kick in the behind, right? Sometimes we need a little medication or a shot of some caffeine like my sister-in-law says don't talk to me until i have my coffee right we got a little have we got to have a caffeine shot we got to get awake to elevate to continue with our faith marathon sometimes we need, need to be reminded that god still is working i know that doesn't seem right but i need that reminder sometimes 
to look at your life, you know, and say, hey, if God did it for them, if God did it for you, he can do it for me. Amen? And so we encourage each other through our faith marathon. This morning, I want to give you a word of encouragement. I want us to see the possibilities, the endless possibilities with just a little faith. I'm not talking about a large faith. I'm not talking about an enormous faith. I'm talking about a little faith. A little faith is all we need. That's it. A little faith. That's all it is. Matthew 14, we see two fascinating stories. And we'll look at them over the, in the next two weeks, one today and one next week. But we see the feeding of the 5,000 with the two loaves, uh, I'm sorry, um, five loaves and two fish. And it's an event that's recorded in all four of the Gospels. Not every event, Jesus' birth and, and, and resurrection is, but not all the events are recorded in the four Gospels. This one miracle is, is, is recorded in the four Gospels. And Jesus is teaching his disciples, he's teaching them to what? Have faith. Have faith. And it's not just this one time that he's teaching. See, life is not just le learning one lesson. Life is sometimes learning the same lesson over again. Life is, is about bringing lessons together and, and learning them as a whole, right? And that's what Jesus did throughout his ministry is to have faith, have faith, have faith. He teaches his disciples. They were with Jesus on a daily basis, and they saw Jesus perform these miracles, and they still have faith, have faith, have faith. That's what he was teaching his disciples. This morning, join with me. And um, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 13, and I'll be preaching on the NLT this morning. Verse says, chapter 14, verse 13 says, as soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was hidden and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the village and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, this isn't necessary. You feed them. And verse 17 says, but we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. There's three truths I want us to see this morning regarding our faith marathon. The first truth that we see is faith starts small. Someone say that with me. Faith starts small. It starts small. We look at faith as a huge, enormous thing. But faith starts small. It starts small. I want you to think about a marathon. How do you train for a marathon? If you would run a full 26-mile marathon, how would you train for it? Would you go out today and run 26 miles? You wouldn't. But our faith is just like that. We want the big thing and not starting small. How would you start? You start walking. And then you do a light jog. And then your jog turns into a little heavier jog. And then your jogging turn is picked up at speed, and you go a mile one week maybe. In week two, maybe you go a mile and a half. In week three, you go three miles. And you add to it, but where do you start at? Small. 
faith starts small. It, 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 it starts small. And before you know it, you have ran a complete marathon. It starts small. Now, when you're at the marathon and you're ready for the 26 miles, do you take a leap and finish the 26 miles like that? You don't. Where does it start at? At the start line. And how do you, how do you start the race? By taking a small step over that starting line. Faith is just like that. It starts small. Small step on top of a small step on top of a small step will lead you to the finish line of your marathon. Build upon your faith. And we'll get to that in just a second. But it starts small. And that's what Jesus was teaching his disciples. He was teaching them that it starts small. They, they, the, the, the disciples say, Jesus, take these guys. Tell them, tell them to leave. We don't have food. And then Jesus responds. I love Jesus' response. He backhands them all the time. Like, listen, you feed them, right? He goes, hey, you want, you want to, you, they need food? You know, and, and I don't know, the disciples feel like they're the spokesperson, right, for the 5,000 people and say, you know, they need food. And Jesus' disciples, we're going to get food, send them away. And Jesus says, oh, you, you feed them, right? I imagine the disciples, I imagine like Andrew's sitting there like, oh, never mind. I, I, I shouldn't, you know, even ask them to even, even be fed, right? I, you know, that's when you put, you know, your foot in your mouth and you wish you never said anything because now it points back at you, right? And that's what Jesus said. Jesus said, you feed them. And he says, all we have is this five loaf and two fish. That's it. That's all they found. The whole episode of feeding the 5,000 was to show that the smallest of faith. That's all it starts with the smallest of faith. That's it. Found a little paper bag like this. And pretended there's five loaves and two fish in here. He says, that's all we found for 5,000 people. It's a small bag. That's it. That's all we found. Five loaves and two fish. Jesus later tells his disciples, you know what? You don't even need five loaves and two fish. What you need is a mustard seed. He tells them two, two chapters later in Matthew 17, he says, in verse 20, you don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. And I tell you the truth, if you had faith to even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would be moved, and nothing would be impossible. Nothing would be impossible. Where does faith start at? It starts what, church? It starts small. Five loaves, two fish. It starts small. It's not a buffet. There's no, no catering event. Five loaves, two fish, and 5,000 people. It started small. This boy had five loaves, two fish in here. And let's be honest, I got an 11-year-old. Five loaves and two fish is not enough, right? <laughs> let's be real, right? <laughs> boy comes uh, at McDonald's, can I get five double cheeseburgers, a large fry, and a large iced tea? And I'm like, then that's when my faith grows because I need the funds to pay for that <laughs> large meal, right? But that's all he had. Let's look at verse 17 again. It says, but... We have only five loaves of bread and two fish in here. What's the key word up there? 
only. We only have. This is all we have, Jesus. That's it. We only have five loaves and two fish. Only. That's all we have. That's it. Let me tell you this. Your only is God's everything. Your only is God's everything. Amen? Your only is God's everything. Say that with me. Your only, my only, is God's everything. And what's amazing about that is God can do an amazing thing with your only. We only have five loaves and two fish. We only have it. But let me tell you this. You know what God needs? He needs your only. He needs you. This is all we got, Jesus. Five loaves, two fish. That's all we got. That's it. And you know what Jesus says? is, That's all I require. That's it. That's all I require is your only. Your only is God's everything. I'll tell you this. God wants your, your, your flaws. God wants the most. God wants the least. God wants you. That's all he wants. That's it. He wants your only. And so many times we discount the only and we say, God, I only have five loaves and two fish. That's all I have. And you know what he says? That's all I want. That's it. I want your only. That's all I want. I want your only. We see the story in, in, Ma in Mark chapter 12, verse 41 through 44. So Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. And then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave, for they gave a tiny part of their supply surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. Only. Don't discount the only. For this woman, it was all she had. That's it. Two mites. You know what two mites was? Six minutes of a daily wage. That's all she had. Nothing, absolutely nothing for her. And she gave it. But what would have happened if she said, I, I only have two mites. What can you do with two mites? I'm going to keep it for myself. It's nothing. It's, there's nothing I can give uh, to you. I only. And Jesus says, look at it. She provided the only, she, the, the only fun she had. She provided it. Amen. But what would happen if she discounted her only? Don't discount your only. God could do amazing things with your only. The Bible tells us he can do more than all we thought or imagined with your only. Amen? Jesus tells us in Luke 16, he says, if you're, faith in the little, you, if you're faithful in the little, you will be faithful in the large. Don't discount the only or the little. It's from the little that we are faithful in where he gives us much more. Amen. Where does faith begin? In the small. 
in the little. Let me share a little background with you. July 26th, we decided, or we, we finally found someone that said, come view my building. We sent out emails. We searched the internet. We called. Maggie drove around city of Fontana. Started making phone calls. And one person said, come check out my building. The others, I don't want a church. We need income producing property. We need someone to come in here and income produce. No, you know, this would be too small. No, we don't have an open space. No, 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 no. And this one guy said, yes. You've got to start somewhere. And, you know, we, I said, this, this building is not going to work. And I remember having the conversation. I was driving down to the building to meet Mike and Maggie. And I even told Nathaniel that this building is probably not going to work because it's just too small. But something kept telling me, you've got to start small. You've got an opportunity. It's a small opportunity. Keep going. Go, go, go. And I went. And we saw the building. And we looked at it. And we said, this is, is going to hinder us. There's not much room. There's one room, and it was smaller than this room that we're in today. With no additional rooms anywhere. Pricier, out further on the unincorpor unincorporated area of Fontana. It wouldn't work. As we're standing there, the Lord said, ask her if she has any additional properties. I said, do you have any additional properties? She said, no, I don't. And I said, okay. And then she goes, but wait, there is one, 9030 Sierra Avenue, Montana. And then she follows it up with, it used to be a church. And I looked over to Mike and Maggie, and I said, well, we got to go view it. Where is it at? She goes, behind Pizza Loca. You know, and I was in this vicinity a year ago, and I drove through it, just driving through real quick, and it was hard to see, and, you know, we don't, it's not the nicest area, and we just drove through, and we drove back out, and I said, no, this is too small. So I'll tell you what. That day we came over. She goes, I can find the keys. This building wasn't listed on any website. This building, there's no, there's a tiny for lease sign, and if you don't pay attention, you'll miss it. It's right in this front corner. It's about that big. No signs on the building for lease whatsoever. Absolutely nothing like that. But it was because we were obedient and the small. Meet with this person. And let us hear together. Don't discount the small things in life. And I remember we pulled up to the, 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 the driveway. And I get out. Maggie was in her car, and I was waiting for mom to come, and, and Mike had to go to work, and I looked in the, peeked in the, in the window, and I said, this is it. This is it. It's tattered. It's worn. It's beautiful. Amen? <laughs> right, Maggie? And I said, this is it. But you know what it started with? It started out with small. Meet somebody who it wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to work. But what if I said, you know what? That's too small.
Now, you know what? Thank you for letting us uh, at least entertain looking at this building. That's not going to work. They shut that door. I wouldn't found, or God wouldn't let us do this church plant. Their faith marathon starts out small. Amen? The second thing I want us to see, verse 19. It says, then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up towards heaven, and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterwards the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. How many baskets of leftovers? What did they have to begin with? Five loaves and two fish out of a little boy's sack. Amen? And it says about 5,000 men. How many men? That wasn't including, was this this 5,000 men? Was this a a promise keepers conference? Men's conference? It was not. They counted the men, and there was 5,000 men. There was probably 5,000 women with at least five or 10,000 children, right? Probably a lot more because they didn't have birth control back then, so it was like eight or 10 families, let's be honest, right? (laughs) Eight or 10 kids. I mean, it was huge, right? So you're looking at like 20,000 people, right? It wasn't 5,000, and what's shocking is we look at 5,000 people from a little baggie of five loaves and two fish, but let's forget about that number, and let's make it 20, 25, 30,000 people. Let's be real about it, and that's what he fed him with. Amen? 5,000 men were fed that day. In addition, it says to all women and children. Let me tell you about the second thing about faith. Faith grows. It grows. It does this snowball event, and it grows. Amen? You ever made a snowball? Of course not. We're in Southern California, right? But if you lived somewhere else and you made a snowball, I lived in Oklahoma for one year, and one year was enough. I'm sorry for all Oklahoma people. Sorry, Brother Bill and Miss Melba. But it took, it took that, that snowball, and, and you, 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 you just you know, move it along, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and our face should grow just like that snowball. Amen? That's how our faith should grow. And, and our faith should transition from not when we, when we were a, 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 a baby Christian to a mature Christian. We grow. None of us are still crawling like, like, like baby Cairo, baby Michael in the back on carpet. If there is, we got some issues, right? Plus, that's hard. I did this the other day with my daughter, and she was on my back, and I went around once in the house. I said, okay, daddy's done, right? My knees were shot. I couldn't do it no more. But faith grows. It comes challenges. There's times that we're going to have great faith, and there's times our faith is going to be tested. I'll tell you what, we went through a trying time the last three months. Waiting, faith, moving forward, patience. It grows, though. So Jesus was trying to teach his disciples. Jesus fed the 5,000, not for his own benefit, but for the benefit of the ones that are hungry, imagine that'd be what they were thankful. But he did it for his 12 disciples. He did it for his 12 disciples. Look what I'm about to do. Look what I'm about to do. Your faith is going to grow. Right? I said it earlier. When, when we see things happen in our life, your faith grows because you see it. So he's about to do a miracle. And their faith was about to grow. And not only does he teach his disciples, but he teaches us today. He took the five loaves, two fish, and what does he do with it? What does verse 19 say? He took it and he blessed them. The NIV says he gave 
thanks for it. Bless, prayer, thanks, grace, whatever you want to call it, he prayed for it. He prayed for it. Think about this. This is Jesus. Fully man, fully God. And he what? Prayed for it. Do you think Jesus' prayer was, well, you know, five loaves and two fish. Look, good father, I don't know what you're going to do with this, but hey, do what you want with it because we got hungry people here. No, he didn't. He didn't go with a concern or a worry or a, a hope or a wish. He didn't go before the father. What he did was he what? He thanked him. He thanked him for what? For what was about to go down. That's what he did. He thanked the father in heaven for the miracle that was about to perform, be performed. Amen. It wasn't, it, was, it wasn't concern, it wasn't worry, it was confidence, and it was assurance, amen? He went to the Father with confidence and assurance. What would happen if we did the same? What would happen if we did the same? What would happen if we turn our prayer around from concern and worry to praise and to confidence and assurance and thankful for the miracle that's about to occur. What would, it, what would that change in our lives, church? Isn't that amazing? What if our prayer was not of desperation, worry, concern, frustration, doubt? What happens if it turned around as faith, confidence, assurance? Hebrews 4 tells us, so since Jesus lived a life just like us in the flesh, it says, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. With confidence. Jesus went to the Father with what? Confidence. He knew what was about to happen. But he gave thanks for what was about to go down. He tells us to walk by faith. Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, I tell you, you can pray for anything. What can you pray for? Anything. So is anything too small? Is anything too big? Is anything too worthless? Is anything too rich? He says anything, correct? Anything. And if you believe, what is another word for believe? If you have faith, if you have faith that you receive it, it will be what? Mine? No, it will be what? Yours. I kind of tricked you there because, yeah, yeah, it would be mine. I'm talking about me, all right? <laughs> it wouldn't be mine or your neighbor's. It will be yours. Amen? Pray about anything, faith. What do we need to start doing? Start thanking him. Because he's already answered it. Amen? Start thanking him because he already answered it. We need to start changing our prayer from one that is focused on the problem and one that is focused on the answer. The answer is thanking him for the problem already solved. Don't go to him with the problem. Go with it to him, thanking him for the solution that's already in its works. Amen? And you change the way, and you elevate your faith, and you change the way you pray. And it will completely open your eyes up, and it will change the way you live your life. Start thanking him. And that's hard because we don't see it sometimes. We don't see it. But we got to start thanking him because the word says, I tell you, you can pray. This is Jesus talking. You can pray for anything. That if you believe that you receive it, it will be yours. 
We did a Bible study the, uh, uh, several months ago, and Tony Evans of Spiritual Warfare, and the last thing he, so he told us was God already answered it. It's already coming down. You got to believe that it's coming down because he already has answered it. Amen. I went fishing with a pastor about a month ago, and it was my, my brother-in-law's pastor, and, and I was uh, just happened to talk, and I was telling him about different things that we were going through and, and about the building and things like that. And he goes, I learned several years ago. He said, you know what you need to start doing? He goes, you want to start, uh, start praising him and thanking him for the answer that's already on its way. And that's the second time I heard it in months, and I was like, all right, Lord, I will start praising and thanking you for the answer that's already on its way and start, start praying with thanking him instead of start praying with concern and worry. Amen? Amen? It's completely switch. We always take our concerns, and there's nothing wrong with that, but let's start praising him for what the concerns were and what the answer is. Amen? It's already on its way. James 1, 6, 7 says, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. Say, do not waver. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. And verse 7 says, such people should not, should not, should not expect to receive what? Anything from the Lord. And I wavered. I wavered. I wavered. Stop wavering. We got to stop wavering. Because we can't waver and expect him to still answer when the word says that if we waver in doubt, he's not going to provide for us. So then that means that we need to change the way we pray and stop praying with a concern and start praying with a praise and a thankfulness for the answer that's on its way already. Amen. Come with God with confidence and faith. Thank him for his answer. And then we wait with anticipation to receive it. Amen. Wait with anticipation to receive it. Be bold and confident. That's what the key is. Don't come to God in, with doubt. I shared this before with you, but when I was in a, a car salesman, we would ask for the sale, and we would assume that we had it, and they would taught us to act confident when we asked for it and just turn around and walk in, and they're going to follow you in. And sure enough, when you started doing it, people started walking in and started buying cars because you were confident in asking for it. And so the same thing is when we go before God is we got to be confident knowing that the, the, the question that we're going to ask is for a yes, and God's going to uh, have a breakthrough in it, and then we got to turn around and live in it. Amen? Amen. So as I mentioned earlier, we started to look at where we hold our services. And we looked around, and I, I didn't know where it was. I, I, I proclaimed this building, but again, we wavered. I don't know. I don't even approve it. I think Austin called me out and goes, you see the, you see the cloud, Pastor? And remember I preached on that several weeks ago? You see the cloud. You see it coming the size of a man's hand. You see the cloud. I was like, yeah, you're right, Austin. Thanks for reminding me of my own word, right? Amen. <laughs> we're, we're human beings, right? I said, this is it. This property is, is, is it. And I'll tell you what, moving in here took tremendous faith because we were comfortable at the Women's Club. We were comfortable at the Women's Club. Our rent was beautiful at the Women's Club. Our rent more than tripled in this building. We have electric bill. We have insurance. We got security. Our bills are, are, are high. But you know what that's going to do? That's going to increase our faith even more. We're going to grow in our faith, amen? 
and we're going to continue growing in our faith. Amen. But I'll tell you what, in the waiting, he was already increasing our faith. We started looking. I said, like I said, we, 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 we were going to put an offer in on this place, put our application in. And God says, start moving. I said, well, start moving. He said, yeah. But if a building comes and falls in your lap tomorrow, where are people going to sit at? Where are your tables at? Where's your kids going to have Sunday school at? Get prepared. Now, I remember going to the board and I said, hey, guys, we don't have a building. No, I don't know if we'll have one in a month, a week, a year. But God's saying to be prepared. And when he spoke that, this chair that you're sitting in, right? I got my brother-in-law in the back over there. He's my, he's my discount bargain shopper kind of guy. I go back and, hey. Hey, bro, can you help me out? I'm looking for some chairs. And we shot some things back and forth. And, and you know, this one or this one or whatever. And I found these chairs on offer up. And I said, you know what, Lord? Let, well, you know what? We're going to go grab them. And we're going to put them in storage at Dell's house, right? So we went out and got them at, at Dell's house, put them in storage. And I kid you not, I was telling, um, I, don't, I can't remember who I was talking to the other night. And I said, since we got these chairs, there's been like two notifications over the last two months on, le- on, 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 on offer up on church chairs. And they're not as nice as we got and as good as deals as we got on these chairs. Amen. But God said, get moving. And I said, you know what? We didn't have a building yet. But God said, get moving because your faith is going to grow and you've got to be prepared. And so we started moving and things started happening in place until we got that final contract. And here's your keys, right? On my birthday, October 4th. Amen. All right. Happy birthday. Now get to work. Stealing tiles are our friend. Right, Manuel? <laughs> Manuel, my father-in-law and myself. I don't want to see another stealing tile forever. Um, that's why some of these are still staying. They're going to stay staying up there. Amen. But each step of the way, he said, grow your faith. And our faith's not going to stop because we're sitting in the chairs today. Faith can keep on moving, keep growing, amen? I know I'm going a little longer, but you know what? Praise God, we got comfortable chairs, amen? You're like, Pastor wasn't lying last week when he said more cushion for my tushion, and it's like, no, it's some good seats, amen? But each of the way, God has grown our faith. We can look back to see where he's taken us. And that's what happened with his disciples. Look back. John's account, Jesus told his disciples to pick up the leftovers. He said, go pick up the leftovers. I said, all right. I imagine the disciples, kind of like my relationship with my son. If I go tell him to go pick something up, he'll walk around just, hey, where are they at? You know, I don't see anything, right? <laughs> so he probably walked over, okay, fine, I'll go pick up the crumbs, Jesus, right? And then probably walked over and goes, there's a lot of crumbs, right? There's a lot of things left over. And the word says that he had what? 12 baskets full of crumbs, of pieces, 12 baskets full. Can you imagine the disciples walking around and what they saw that day? And they're walking around picking up pieces, and they're filling up a basket. Can you imagine how their faith grew? Can you imagine how their faith grew? Amen? Each disciple's faith grew. But do you know why it grew? Do you know how it grew? 
Anyone realize I skipped a scripture earlier? No? Verse 18 says this. Bring them here. What What does that mean? The disciples said, all we have is five loaves and two fish. This is it. And there's Jesus on the other end. And he said, bring it here. Give it to me. That's what he said. Give it to me. The third thing I want us to see is faith requires surrendering. It requires surrendering. Amen? What he's telling him is, listen, this is your only. They're saying, Jesus, this is my only. And Jesus says, give me your only. Give it to me. Let me have it. Surrender it to me. Five loaves, two fish. That's all we got. The issue with us is Jesus can't multiply our five loaves and two fish when we're still holding on to our sandwich bags. He can't multiply it when we won't let it go. He can't multiply it until we're really ready to surrender it. We ask God, Lord, I, I got to have a break, Lord. I got to have this. Lord, you need to work in, in my life. And he says, okay, child, surrender it. And we say, all right, I will. Right? And we hold on tighter. No, he says, surrender it. Give it up. Give it up. Faith doesn't work unless we're willing to Surrender it. That's when faith works. When we're ready to let it go. Faith starts working when we are ready to surrender. If the disciples told him we have nothing, Jesus would have nothing to work with. Could he have done something? Yeah, he could have, but it wasn't the benefit of Jesus. It was the benefit of the disciples, right? It was the benefit of the disciples, the surrender. Jesus could have done a miracle, but he said surrender. Listen to this church. We can keep our small lunch pail. We can keep our five loaves and two fish. Or we can see upwards of 15, 20, 30,000 people fed. Let me ask you this. Which one you want to take home today? Paper sack, five loaves and two fish, or a basket full of five loaves and two fish? I want the basket. But in order for the basket, we got to get rid of the five loaves and two fish. Because when we give up the five loaves and two fish, his promises don't go void. He says, you know what? You can go pick up now everything that happened that day. Fill your baskets full of leftovers when you didn't even start out with nothing. Amen? Start out with absolutely nothing. But God can only use what you surrender. We want the basket. We all want the basket. But how many of us are willing to surrender in the hands of God 
our own way. Our own way. I only have this. I only have that. God goes, that's great. Give it to me. I want your own way. I want to give you a basket full of blessings. So give me your own way. Stand with me this morning, church. God is good, amen? How many of us are willing to let go? How many of us are willing to say, Lord, I trust you. I surrender it to you. It's yours. And watch him say, all right. We look back to where we came from. Look back to where we came from and see what God has done in our lives. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you today, Lord Jesus. Lord, I thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word that you've given to us. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for it coming to life in a real tangible way, Lord. But I pray that our heart's desire as individuals, but corporately as a body of Christ, is to surrender our only to you. Lord, we're in a, a marathon. It's not a race, it's a marathon. And as marathons take two, three, four, five, six, a day, two days, ten days to finish, whatever it is. Lord, our faith, it, it may take whatever time it may take, but it, it's our marathon. I ask you, Heavenly Father, to give us faith, to allow us to continue running our marathon. Allow us to surrender over to you, Lord. And allow us to start giving thanks and praise for the miracle that's about to be performed that we can't see nor can we imagine. Teach us your ways this week, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, that as we live our life, Heavenly Father, as we live it through, through you, Lord, I, I pray that we have vision of you, vision through you, Heavenly Father. And I pray, Lord, that as we, we live your, our, our life, Lord, through your church, Heavenly Father, you will minister to us in, in great lengths, Lord, showing yourself faithful, Lord. Allow us to be encouraged, Lord. We thank you for what you have in store for us. NLCC, Lord, and also us as individuals to look back and say, I've surrendered my five loaves and two fishes, and you've given me a basket full of blessings. I give you praise, Lord, for what you've done in this place today, Lord, and I ask you, Lord, as we leave this place, allow us, Heavenly Father, just to sense your presence today, Lord. Allow us to worship you, Lord. Allow us to give, give you praise and glory for what you're doing in our life this week. Bring us back safely next week, Heavenly Father. For a great time service with you. We give you the praise and the glory. In the name of Jesus we pray. And the church says.